0: is waiting to be free, lonely and forlorn, I am crying, I long for my time to come, death
1: means death, life, please let me die in solitude.
2: 1986, we just uh, kicked out our cassette tape of Candlemas, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus with the song Solitude. This Um, is Requiem Metal Podcast. I am Mark. And I am Jason. And this is uh, part, well,
3: part six, so I guess this would be the fourth most crucial year in uh, metal history.
2: Hotly contested. In our opinions. Yeah. Or coming from our standpoint of when, when we got into it and whatnot, too. Not yeah, historical impact and yeah. you know trying to take into consideration a lot of uh,
3: a lot of different things. And originally, uh, we had this year ranked as the number two greatest year, and it fell a couple slots oh, wow. in hindsight as we reevaluated some stuff. But uh, that's how we go around here. We uh, we're, we're always up for reevaluation and uh, unique perspectives and things like that. And we could change this and do it next year and just change. Yeah, it exactly. The thing. There you go. <clears throat> but uh, I hope not because it, it was a lot of paperwork and planning that went into all this kind of crap. But 86 is uh, you know, for a a lot of historians, um, it's kind of considered the the sort of greatest year ever for thrash you know yeah. in terms of you know thrash masterpieces which we'll be talking about like master of puppets and rain and blood and peace cells and darkness descends and things like that but um as an overall year um you know it has some things going on within the underground that we'll talk about later in the show and it's got some you know so traditional metal you know maidens putting out strong record this year mm-hmm. motorhead strong record for you know things like this are happening but you
2: know, just Judas Priest putting out
3: some not so strong records. Yeah, record not so week. strong record uh Turbo was released this year, which is uh, an ill fated attempt for Priest to kind of tap into the, the new wave keyboard kind of hair metal stuff that was kinda of going on. Really um, amp up the homosexual undertones. Yeah, <laughs> Although Wayne Isham did direct that video for uh paint uh for uh, Turbo and he, Turbo Lover. He went on and did like Girls, Girls, Girls and Enter Sandman and oh, yeah. actually halfway decent videos, but um, kind of funny but yeah you know kind of deciding to open up before we talk too much about 86 with mass, uh, is because this band as, as we've talked about in previous episodes with trouble that was happening in America was just sort of out of left field and really doesn't fit in anywhere else you know they were almost kind of single handedly kind of rebirthing the the doom metal genre in Europe, you know, Mm -hmm. meanwhile Trouble was sort of kind of doing it in America in their own kind of weird way Canomass was sort of, you know, because they were coming out of Sweden was bringing all these like Amazing, like guitar melodies and and guitar solos and and different things. Whereas, like Trouble was more like blues, kind of just like sludge along. Yeah, you know, Vocalitis like, and pentagram type. Uh, yeah, stuff. vocally
2: nobody else was really doing what Candlemas was doing with that kind of backdrop. Like no. King Diamond was, you know, but he was more. It was more in the heavy metal spectrum. Definitely not as is, you know, do me as, as epic as plus it's probably one of the best album titles I think ever. Oh man. It just, you know, kind of a play on words
3: with, uh, the old blue cheer record from 68, the Vincibus Ereptus or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, classic album cover. Um, not a classic lineup though, because it doesn't quite feature Messiah. He comes on the next record, uh, in 87 with Nightfall, but, uh, Johan Lundquist uh, does a pretty nice job. I
2: think, you know, and Solitude's kind of one of their flagship songs. And it's kind of the, you know, Diano maiden kind of transition. Yeah. Yeah, A little bit, a little bit like rougher on the edges for Epicus, but, but but still has its personalities and things like that going on. But, uh, you know, candle we,
3: we did a show not too long back on candle and definitely, uh, big fans. And if you haven't kind of, you know, made that exploration definitely worth your while. But, uh, you know, 86 was kind of the year hair metal broke uh, from my perspective because 86 was the year where I really sort of became conscious of, of all this sort of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, that was when I bought Slippery When Wet from Bon Jovi on cassette tape and then got into this uh, wonderful debate with my older babysitter. And he's like, Bon Jovi's for pussies, man. You gotta listen to Poison. Look at the Cat Dragged. Him. Oh, that's, yeah, that's talking about pussies. So, well, but what it did is it sort of put the challenge for me to kind of continue to find
2: heavier music, uh, you know, on, on the table. You know, yeah. so hey, and that, that kind of worked out all right. I don't know if you hear any popping in the background, we're not in South Central L.A. It's no, uh, it's almost uh, the Nation's Independence Birthday. It here. is, s- and uh, we got some hillbillies firing off stuff in the yes, background. So. Yes, yes, some Fourth of July festivities <clears throat> taking place. And uh, even though this
3: episode will come out clearly when it's done, I'm going to go on the record and say that uh, I'm supporting the Netherlands to win the World Cup right now. I don't know who's going to win it. By the time you hear this episode, it'll be like old news. But yeah, I'm, I'm making the mark right now. Fourth of July in, in Netherlands. That's what's happening right now. But uh, yeah, you know, you had Ozzy Osbourne putting out Ultimate Sin. Um you know, as I already mentioned, The Poisons, things like that, Cinderella, Night Songs, ACDC, Who Made Who, Vinnie Vincent Invasion, Europe's The Final Countdown, which uh, yeah. it's just remarking to Mark, uh, 26 countries, number one record. <sighs> <sighs> I, I mean, you, know, can, you can never live you, up to that again. You can make fun of uh, Europe all you want, but that's a hell of a run that they made. Another and, Swedish band, right? Yeah, another yeah. Swedish band. You know, had some great, some really cool. John Norman was a pretty, pretty awesome guitar player. He actually filled in for uh, George Lynch and Dokken when Lynch left. But uh, Queensrÿche, Rage for Order, which is a pretty strong record and really kind of hinted towards Operation Mindcrime type uh, stuff. And then Wasps Inside the Electric Circus, which
2: you say a lot of metalheads like hold up. It's kind of touted, but I don't like it. I'm a bigger fan of the debut, the self-titled. Yeah, I mean, just there's real no standout songs, and I don't know.
3: I, you know, Wasp was a, a late-coming band for me because I didn't really grow up with Wasp as much
2: because nobody... I was remember like seeing, uh, like, my my uncle would have, you know, Judas Priest posters and Wasp posters and stuff up, but I was like, uh eh, until I started hearing people do covers of, you know, like, I want to sure. be somebody and stuff like that before I really got into it. I think I gained a greater sense of appreciation for Wasp after talking, like,
3: interviewing Blind Guardian the first time, and, like, Hansi said, like, that was his major influence, like Freddie mm-hmm. Mercury
2: and, like, you know, Blackie Lawless from Wasp, and I was kind of like, oh, that's, you yeah. know... And Blackie kind of At the point when You know I was getting the extreme metal stuff 89, 90 Blackie Lawless Was kind of an outspoken dick Yeah he, Like he, yeah. he really had Like rubbed people The wrong way a lot well, So I think you know, that kind of Chris Holmes Attributed to it The client of western civilization You know I mean Like yeah. you know, watching him Drunk in
3: the pool And all that stuff And then one other I guess big metal event uh, Well I don't know if Metal, hard rock Whatever you want to call it But this is also The, the, the controversial year When Van Halen Put out 5150 With Sammy Hagar could they survive post uh, Cabo Wabo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did, but uh, I don't know whether anyone gave a crap in metal. I don't. I don't think so. But, but anyway, some some other things that are kind of happening in traditional metal around this time. As I was talking to Mark, is you know some of the flagship bands were putting out like really strong records. You know, um, you know, in a way like the Motorhead Orgasmatron is is like I, I don't want to say the last masterpiece, but like it's almost like the it, part of that like classic era with Ace of Spades, and,
2: um, I'm drawing a blank, um, No Sleep Till Hammersmith, uh, I mean, it's basically the, you know? uh, yeah, the, the classic lineup, mm-hmm. as well, with, with Filthy, Taylor, uh, Lemmy, and, god, why am I drawing a blank on the other dude? Uh, I'm trying to remember, I can see their photos, but unfortunately I don't have the liner notes. Oh, lovely, well... It, it's oppressively hot so that's as much information as you'll get right now but this is yeah the kind of like the classic era motorhead and the song itself Orgasmatron,
3: is is really like sort of a giant fu like I mean it's it's such a like a statement of purpose it's like from huge Lemi. anti-religion yeah from
1: song.
3: <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's almost like the the sort of like punk metal like symphony for the devil or something like that you Yeah. Know? I mean it's got that
2: that kind of like well, and it's so incredibly to it. simple, yeah. too. I mean, that's... That was, and then, you know, the, I knew of the Sepultura cover. I was going to say, people like you and I Before found
3: this with yeah. Sepultura, you know, and then went back. But, I mean, I think it's it's one of the most metallic... Motorhead songs that they've ever written. If mm-hmm. I mean you know, like, and don't call them metal band. They're exactly, rock and roll dude. Exactly. Whereas, like a lot of their songs, are based in like the sort of fast punk kind of rock and roll stuff. This this one has like a very much a, a metal feel to it. So, you know, and then Iron Maiden's putting out somewhere in time, which uh, you know you're uh, you're you know the resident I guess
2: Maiden expert, but this is a uh, well, this is all uh, this is Adrian Smith writing it and doing lyrics. On most of the record, or the no, whole no, effect? just this song. Okay, the waste song. Years, He did a couple yeah. on this one, but and it seems like it's kind of like the most, I guess, uh, personal song I think Maiden's really done. Where he actually, it feels, it feels like they're picking something out of themselves and putting it into outside of uh, you know, like their actual experiences, and it's not just like you know, Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great or this kind which of stuff. Which is on, which is on this yeah. record, you know, loneliness, a long distance runner. Which as a long distance runner,
3: I can <laughs> relate to the loneliness. Which I, I never understood that. <laughs> the lyrics as a kid, I was like, what, "What does this even mean?" I think it's a poem. "Loneliness, a long distance runner." was oh, I'm sure a, it is. A poem. Yeah, you know? I'm sure that's that's one of Bruce's but songs. This is a, this is one of my favorite covers, definitely, because you know you get the back cover, which has it's like the Where's Waldo? You get to find all the like really
2: neat little like inside jokes that Maiden. Well, it's sort one put of the few everywhere. that actually has Maiden on it, painted yeah. in the background too, and you get to see a little bit of uh, you know what what came before and you know into the future through the void or whatever this got here. But now, would you say that this? I mean, Seventh Son
3: is a great record, but it's definitely like a change in sound, and, and maybe not as yeah. like
2: revered by some people. Would it's you got say some great songs is... on it, but uh, yeah, Seventh Son, as far as I'm concerned, it's not. It's it's a little too spit and polish. It doesn't have a lot of that. It doesn't have like some of the attitude that some of the previous records had, production wise too. A little bit rough. A little having something a little bit rough, and it's so clean and spit and polished. That's what kind of turned me off to it. So but. would you say somewhere in time like this kind of ends the like original like kind of maiden cycle
3: of just like masterpieces one after
2: another? I mean that's kind of the, the common consensus with a lot of people I know that that's this is kind of the last record they after Seven Sun came out they're like yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You know? I mean No Prayer for the Dying is like... Mm. No Prayer for the Dying I think is probably one of their weakest records. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even going into the Blaze Bailey era. I mean I think it's probably Virtual Eleven is, is an absolute turd. <laughs> and um... But the the first blaze is X-Factor, actually okay. It's got really good songs on it, but it's got Blaze singing. But uh, I've got actually a live disc with with uh, Dickinson doing, you know. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what's what's there's two or three of the songs on there. Yeah. Man on the edge. Man, or, yeah, I'm trying to remember some of those um, tunes. A couple it's other a ones. Time. Sign of the Southern Cross is that one too?
3: Uh, that's that's uh Black Sabbath. It's something similar to But it's that. Southern Cross, I think or something like that, yeah. I think, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, so like, you know, again, even though like this year's known more for like thrash metal, there were still like big records like by traditional mm-hmm. heavy metal bands like Motorhead, like Iron Maiden. And as we'll also hear after Orgasmatron and Wasted Years, it's the Return of the King. That's uh, right. Make it Fatal a Fatal Portrait. Yeah. Uh ah the first king diamond solo record and uh, the first of really a string of like three or four kind of masterpieces here, you know, with them and, uh, Abigail and, uh, conspiracy. But, um, yeah, you know, King diamond picks himself up back up after the demise of merciful
2: fate and, uh, grabs Andy LaRocque and a couple of the old members of merciful fate. And, uh, it's, it's basically just Merciful Fate continued, you know, Merciful Fate Mark II, outside of a couple, like, major musical kind of I
3: was going to say,
1: I,
2: but, I feel like it's, well, not only, yeah, you get the concept
3: record for the first time, which he's kind of, you know, yeah. kind of famous for, but I, I think it's more, like,
2: melodic, you know, it's, it's yeah. less, like, he, it's less heavy, but, like, more, like... Well, you don't get those, like, kind of, like, cutting Hank Sherman riffs that are... It's kind of, you know, it's more dirty in the metal realm, but then, you know, Crazy Solos, this is, I guess, across the board a little bit, you know, kind of smoothed out, ironed out. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a little more spit and polished, if you will. And it's a A lot more more. theatrical,
3: I would say, as well. Yeah, over the top is maybe the word we're looking for, so... But, uh, you know, so that's what we're going to kind of head into next is some classic metal. We got uh, Motorhead's Orgasmatron from Orgasmatron, Somewhere in Time Iron Maiden with Wasted Years, uh, one of Mark and I's favorite tunes, and then King Diamond's Fatal Portrait with Dressed in White, which has some uh, pretty awesome uh, Andy LaRoque guitar stuff. And then we'll, uh, we'll end with a, a surprise, which will kind of lead us into our, our next conversation. So enjoy Orgasmatron.
4: Destiny. I'll lead you to your grave Your bones will build my palaces Your eyes will stud my crown
3: like to not wake up dead I'm hoping I know. tomorrow morning uh, after the 4th of July celebration that was peace sells but who's buying uh wake up dead megadeth then king diamond maiden and motorhead before that um, this is as mentioned before the year of the thrash if you will thrash tech thrash tech some people say it's kind of the death of thrash too you know some you know like purists like are almost like after 86 it just kind of gets like, what's the point after Rain and Blood and Master of Puppets? You know, like,
2: how can you top those records? Well, then you get uh, Rust in Peace and, uh, you know, Injustice for All. And, okay. you know, there's another a handful of other ones that come out. But people could, you know, say, think, well, are these really thrash? I was going to say, purists
3: might say, well, you know, Injustice for All is just like a really great, like, prog metal record. You know, like, yeah. juiced up with a couple thrash riffs here and there. And Rust But, and but Peace as far
2: as, you know, thrashy, you know, when I, when I think of thrash, I think of just, you know, the muted palm guitar riffs. Which I I think is kind of like you know one of the big ideas behind it, and I think Justice really kind of pushed that more than anything. Pushed that till it's a lot. Actually, I think Arise is like one of the last great thrash records mm -hmm. too. Which it's pretty much a thrash record in all intents and purposes. Absolutely. You know, but again, so
3: you know from a scholarly standpoint or fan standpoint, however you want to look at 86 in terms of Mm -hmm. what it meant to Thrash, it was undisputedly a a big year. And, you know, in a previous episode, um, I think when we did the 1985 episode, which might have been part nine or something, we played something from Killing Is My Business from Megadeth, Mm -hmm. and Big Leap forward in terms oh, of yeah. production, in terms of songwriting, in terms of just everything, you know. Uh the competency, it seems like Mustaine's actually focused. Whether or not he's got himself cleaned up at this point, well I, no, I think he's pretty whacked out on heroin still. Yeah. But at the same time he's at least, you know, gotten far enough away from Metallica to like get some perspective to, to write a, a great Isn't record. this the this the last record with Chris Poland? Uh yeah, before okay. Poland dies, right? I don't Did know if he dies. Die? No, oh, I think just sorry. Guy, he just got uh, Gar out. Samuelson was yeah. the guy that, that ended up dying. A lot yeah. of drugs going on in this band. Yeah. But yeah, David Alphison and Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland. Uh, Poland, didn't he go on and do something for another band after He went on to do uh, the Chris Poland project or something. It was god awful. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but classic cover, really like the first classic, uh, you know. Um, Ed Ripka. Ed Ripka, uh, but I forget the character. Vic, Vic, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I guess you could technically say that Vic was on the cover. Killing is my business because it
2: was like a skull and crossbones type looking thing on the cover. But it. But I don't know if we talked about the whole the idea behind that. Thing I don't that, know if we that, did like the cover got damaged or something. The actual oh, is that what cover, happened? and actually they put that together out of just junk they had laying around uh, to try and just took a really quick photo. And, and that's like, what it's that, not happy with. That that's photo. what that whole
3: record feels like. though, are my business. It
2: just feels like something yeah. like that just got thrown together. It, it should have been. Right. I think it should have been a handful, like two to three EPs, maybe. Yeah. If they could have like made them make sense together, but it just does not. It does not hold up as a co- like cohesive record to me at all. No, not at all. And I'd say the the first half of Peace sells. The
3: opening four or five songs is. Is absolutely incredible and, and can kind of hold its weight with uh, with anything else that was kind of coming out. The problem with this record is, you know, like the, the last half is pretty unmemorable in a sense. I mean, I don't want... I'm sure yeah. I'm pissing a, a hardcore Megadeth fan uh, off by saying that, but... Some Megadeth fans are too... Com- compared hardcore. to, like, say, Rust in Peace, which just, like, works conceptually from start to finish, or yeah. Rain and Blood, or Master Puppets, or some of these other thrash masterpieces, even Among the Living, which was put out in 87... Um, you know, after you get beyond *Peace* cells and *Wake Up Dead* and uh, *Devil's Island* and some of that kind of stuff, there's really, you know, like a lot of those songs don't jump out to me. But it is, you know, nice to see Dave back and Dave focused and and writing uh, pretty killer
2: stuff. But, do, you know, do you know what this uh, record cut like clocks in at? Because I always had a feeling that it, it seemed like it went on too long. Uh, I
3: don't know about that. I it might only like, like thirty-five. Yeah, 36 it's probably minutes. like in the 35, 40 forty-minute range. I think each song's like four to. Four and a half minutes, yeah. one of the eight songs. So, yeah. 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 So, it's probably right around that time. But, yeah, I had a I cassette having, tape for a long, yeah, long I, time. Yeah, I listened to the first side more Exactly. Than the I listen to side eight all the time, you know, which is what happens for those of you <laughs> who have cassette tapes out in there. Uh, but, you know, this is, again, the year of thrash. You know, Nuclear Assault puts out their debut. So Dan Lochner, kind of, it's good to have him back with like, Game Over. Voyavod's still kicking it out. Roar,
2: Destruction and Internal Devastation, which is a pretty solid record. But we've also got, uh, you know, pre danzigs uh, Sam Hain with November Coming Fire, sure. one of the last Sam Hain records. Yeah, so. yeah.
3: Metal is The Dark kind of came out uh, as well, which is a pretty cool thrash record from Seattle.
2: Uh, I know Chris is like a big metal church fan. I didn't. I never got really into metal church though. They had one. I didn't. I really don't think I like the vocalists that much. Okay. They're a little too polished for me too. Yeah. Yeah. They seemed like kind of like a, a Testament light or something. But I'm probably speaking. It was out almost like ass. Armored Saint light. Ah, there you go. But yeah. it not as good a vocalist, and the the songs weren't quite as memorable. Yeah. But it had a good like guitar crunch, but the lead was always too kind of I don't know. Because I have, I think I have like Blessing in Disguise, but I don't know. I don't listen to it much, but.
3: So, if if you're a metal church fan out there, uh, give us your insight on, on what it, what the appeal is metal church. Um, uh, what we're gonna get into next, though, is is is
2: kind of uh, what's well, Metallica Master and Puppets. And I mean, if you don't know about this record, <laughs> if you haven't heard it, then what the hell? Where have you been living? <laughs> like, yeah, what what are you doing? This podcast. Uh, you, I mean, uh, you this, downloaded the wrong thing, I think. Yeah, like even in like. Uh, well, this is probably like the mid to late 90s isn't into 2000s like even the classic rock station would have like a Metallica block every day and they would not discriminate against records it'd no. be across you know across the board like whatever they felt like playing so I, I know this song's probably you know you've heard it a million times but uh, you know let's throw it in the context of everything else that came out this year and yeah you have you have to you know give credit where credit's due I mean this is you know for a lot of people the, the, the peak of sort of thrash um, Well, and this is one of the underground bands that made you know made good, Mm -hmm. that actually brought a lot of eyeballs on you know, thrash outside of just like the, the small, focused underground scene that was happening at the time. And in in a way, like
3: Metallica did all this without the help of MTV, without videos, without singles, without radio,
2: without radio. You know, and they 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 seem to you sell a ton and ton. of Well, they were, I think they were kind of like the next uh, next to Maiden because Maiden had next to no radio play either, and uh, they made they basically made their reputation on their touring. And I think Metallica kind of took the baton from them, and they were like the next big band to do sure. that. And, and in a sense, it's it's kind of cool cool that in the year that
3: Maiden puts out sort of its last classic, you know, record was Somewhere in Time, Metallica puts out the record that really kind of launches them into the stratosphere, Mm -hmm. you know, the the passing of the baton, if you will. Yeah. You know, and Metallica will take that baton you know, up into the the mid-90s, or well, I guess the early 90s with the black record, and then kind of things get fuzzy, you know. I mean, they're still huge, obviously, today, but Controversially huge,
2: you know. In terms yeah, of I mean, the last record was, it was, it was decent. I would say it's 50% pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, for, for some reason, Metallica, I think they burned too fast and, uh, I think lost some of what kind of made them. And they're, they're, well, I think we, we talked about this last time, too. Their formula was so, it wasn't quite as focused as, like, you can say there's, like, a, these five things that need to be in every maiden song and they are in every maiden song or yeah. priest songs and stuff. But I think Metallica was a little bit more flexible with that. And they, I think they, they didn't have those those kind of concerns as much, and then kind of you know, oh, what do we do? Well, we're going to take five years off and make some dog shit. Yeah,
3: and <laughs> and, and you know they they were too apt, I think, to experiment with things. And and you know, I don't want to like, I think it's cool to to, to do different things and to get outside the, the oh, box yeah. a little bit. But and but that's think, also what uh, B sides are for. Yeah, that's true. It, to, to make those for kind EPs, of huge yeah no, those huge like leaps. Yeah, I mean anthrax. Anthrax never muddied up their records with, like, starting up a posse and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, or, or, or I'm the man, you know? I mean, they never put that, like, in the middle of, like, persistence of time, you oh, know? No, yeah. I mean, they were smart enough to do that kind of stuff. So... But you know, I mean, this is this is uh, you know, welcome home Sanitarium, uh, Orion, which is sort of you know thing
2: that like, should not be, yeah, A little H.P. Lovecraft for you, yeah, and uh, and then Damage Incorporated, which we debate it playing, but uh, we I don't like the Whisper thing, yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and Disposable Heroes, kind of great anti-war song, and of course the title track, which is you know, it's it's I remember being so surprised when I saw Old School. And that scene happens where the van turns a corner and Master Puppets Metallica comes in because to me that was like the mainstreaming of like a song that like I had always considered part of like the metal underground. Like mm-hmm. I knew people knew Master Puppets, but it was like an eight and a half minute song. It's not like Enter Sandman or, be on the or, radio. One or yeah. something like that. And uh, when that popped in the middle of like old school, which became like this phenomenon, you know, that made Will Ferrell's career and you know mm-hmm. all these other guys. It just—it was kind of shocking in a way, but like also like very satisfying. I remember feeling like this, like sense of like, wow, like my my culture has arrived, you know? Like yeah. Here we are. Like pop culture is like now consuming Master of Puppets and stuff, you know? But it took them long enough. Yeah. But anyway, so we got uh, Battery up from Metallica, and this is sort of the the most like I guess thrashy, you know, hyper, you know, in your face kind of energy type song on the record, along with Damage Incorporated, and uh, you know, it's. It's a funny song. Cause I was telling Mark, I'm pretty sure I read in an interview somewhere that Lars uh, just wrote the lyrics in like five minutes, and they're horrible lyrics. I mean, it's really not a lunacy great song. abounding. Yeah, everyone. batteries. Right? Like It's just like, <laughs> it sounds like somebody a German metal band would, would like come up with. Well, it sounds yeah. like somebody that English wasn't their first language yeah. would, would yeah, write. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going to kind of take things into darker thrash territory, no pun intended, with Dark Angels and Darkness Ascends, uh, and the, the first appearance of Gene Hoglan, who, uh, rumor has it, plays a pretty big role in extreme metal down the road, so... Yeah. Um name a band he hasn't been in. Yeah, no doubt. And then Steve DiGiorgio are kind of prolific, I know. In that way. I know. And Tony Choi, you know, there's a couple other guys like that. But yeah, Dark Angel, uh, Darkness um, kind of ups the ante. Uh I've heard it called caffeine speed metal before. It's like hyper thrash, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but but Hoglin the drummer, you know, paid particular attention to Merciless Death to some of the stuff he's doing. And then it's gonna get into some heavier thrash territory where, where the line begins to get blurred between thrash and kind of early death metal stuff so we'll talk about all that stuff when we get back so enjoy metallica master puppets battery dark angel darkness ascends merciless death and then a slew of other uh, classic stuff from 86. <laughs> Sepultura's Morbid Visions, Possessed Beyond the Gates with Restless Dead, Creators Ripping Corpse from the Pleasure to Kill record, and then obviously we heard, starting off, Dark Angel's Merciless Death and Battery. Yes. So uh, those, those last three, and I guess you could even argue Dark Angel's kind of a gateway drug into
2: that kind of style of thrash. Yeah, they're kind of a transitional... Band, I think, because I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think Creator, Possessed, and Sepultura were, although they had a lot of thrash elements. I mean, it's it's basically like proto death metal sort of stuff. death metal
3: stuff, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you listen to the, some of the stuff going on, Ripping Corpse, I mean, it's oh, yeah, it's a
2: souped-up Slayer riff in a way, but then it, oh, especially like, vocally, goes, yeah, you know, like Miller's vocals at this point are. Pretty, I mean, pretty close. You couldn't differentiate this from a lot of death metal stuff. And I think at you know, no one's no one's in debate that you know Jeff Beckera's stuff that he was doing with you
3: know stuff from Mm -hmm. Possessed was obviously death metal because we were talking about Seven Churches in a previous episode, and this is kind of a continuation of the classic lineup Beyond the Gates. Um,
2: You know, it's a little more. um, I don't know the. Seven Churches has such a great production to it. I mean it kinda of fits the tone of the album too. This one the production seems a little off to me. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of uh, I would say weird it almost it sounds like almost like Rototom drums and like too many drum fills and <laughs> it's uh it's kinda of like their transitional period before they just kinda of before go they to kind put. of fade away. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, still a pretty solid record for
3: eighty six that oh, yeah. to for that type of music, there wasn't really much of that like kinda of out there, you know. Um, I mean, we've talked about creator before we did an entire show devoted to him, but you know, like creator alongside, we mentioned before destruction and then Sodom, you know, the, what the German metal scene was, was sort of pushing forward, Mm -hmm. uh, was, was pretty big deal. And pleasure to kill is kind of considered one of the the first great classic records from creator. Yeah. Like kind of really the first of like a run of four records that are, are absolutely fantastic,
2: you know, peaking with coma souls and stuff. So, um, and then sepultura, morbid visions. Um, which many people might know is the Morbid Visions, Bestial Devastation, Split, yeah. which was put out, I think that was put out after they kind of started getting a little bit popular with Rise. I think so too. To reissue. And Bestial Devastation was 85, and then Morbid Visions was
3: 86, and then they re-recorded Troops of Doom with, on Schizophrenic. Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Yeah, in '87, I think was when Schizophrenia comes out.
2: Yeah, and also they redo it on uh, Dead Embryonic Cells EP. Yeah, for Rise. So this is kind of like the, I don't know. There's like their song. I, I know the the first, I guess, classic. Sepulchre, it's almost a song. you know how how Thorns kind of you know recrafted what, uh, what was it. uh... Uh, it starts with an A. I'm lo- I'm losing it. Uh, Airy descent. Airy descent. That's yeah. right. They did like you know three or four or five different versions of three throughout you know throughout the career. So it's yeah. It's kind of one of those kind of songs. It's, you know, It's like Coltrane's my favorite things or something. You know. Yeah. Like always
3: recrafting it. Yeah. You know? uh, Troops of Doom has the the great timpani stuff going on, which is kind of cheesy, but it's, I don't like it's, that. That's the know? part I don't like in the song. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it it adds that world music flavor to it, which is what Sepultura was going to yeah. kind of be be known for, but. You know, I mean, this is, you know, along with Sarcophago, this was kind of like a whole new scene that was, you know, going on in South America with the kind of South American thrash, death, black metal type stuff.
2: Look, I mean, as you far know? as like uh, you go through, well, the lyrical stuff a little bit later on, but I mean, all the, the kind of like social upheaval that was happening at the time. I mean, Sepultura was kind of like a almost like a linchpin to pe- for people to like get around to like actually get behind something <laughs> mm-hmm. well and, and understanding some of the the weird
3: political stuff that was happening in places like Brazil you know mm-hmm. with with uh, you know the prison abuse and political scandals and just the the way that the, the poor were mistreated and you oh, know, the native of population yeah. were, were wiped out you know the whole the whole thing with Kiowis from you know um, KSAD the tribe that committed mass suicide in order yeah. to like protest the you know encroaching globalization and stuff like that I mean you know Say what you want about sepultura, maybe you, you don't dig the stuff beyond roots and stuff, but at least like they they created a legacy for themselves and oh, I yeah, think opened yeah. the world up to to non european
2: non american you know metal well, and metal sense. that that actually had some kind of like you know social conscience too it was more you know punk rock and that. Mm-hmm. That kind of way, it wasn't yeah. just talking about you know bullshit demons or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not for sure. I don't have the lyric sheet in front of me. What I think the, the earlier on, this, but it, but it's like it's basically when they hit schizophrenia, that's when everything started to be a little bit more like internal lyrics or you know just kind of broad, you know, mm-hmm. society. Kind of uh, you know whatever. So I think they started off more like kind of Slayer like lyrics, and then kind of mm-hmm. transition more towards I guess which makes thing. sense. Start out as a teenager, you know, you don't really care as much unless it's right in your face about what's going on. In yeah, yeah, political climate. Yeah, but you know, it's it's kind of a nice. Uh, I I see Morbid Visions
3: kind of like not not like the official start, but like it's that's like the first like polished piece of work from a you know from yeah.
2: Sepultura. I think it's know? yeah where they start to kind of like get their formula of what you know, what works for them and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of their uh, over guiding principles along with this sort of kind of having
3: the, the world music kind of appeal and things like that, that was happening in there.
2: But, and the,
3: uh, the battery bullet belts. Yes. That they, if, if you see global metal, the documentary, they, they talk about how they uh, created those all out of batteries cause they saw the destruction cover and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of cool. But, uh, we're going to end things kind of with a trio of, of tunes tonight, <laughs> um, that represent, um, In a sense, either beginnings or really kind of peaks of where you can take certain types of sound uh, beyond sort of the thrash stuff that we just heard and beyond the speed, beyond some of the intensity of what Creator and Possessed and, and some of these bands were doing. Um, you know the uh, other things that were kind of pushing the limits around this time. You know, conflicts, ungovernable force was coming out, and that was a pretty, you know, along with siege and some of those other bands, pretty influential on in the grind scene in the UK. Yeah,
2: and what would become known as crust as mm-hmm. well. Yep, uh, Abominations
3: of Desolation by Morbid Angel was recorded in '86, but wasn't heard until
1: '89 uh, for, for good
2: I reason. I think uh, Mike Browning kind of uh, really soured the brew on that album. Yeah. His drumming and his vocal performances. <laughs> Hey, oh, <laughs> not a big,
3: uh, yeah. Mark's Mark's not the biggest nocturnus fan. Uh, no, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm not either. I don't I don't know too many big nocturnus fans. I guess I think the key's got a couple of decent place. songs, but it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It you know Angel it gave us Angel a disease at least that the at least Dave Vincent could rework for Covenant.
2: Oh, I mean there's so, there's some good songs on it, but just there's that there's that glaring eh, yeah kind of uh, it's a, it's war. a rough it's Mike Browning you
3: yeah. Um, you know we're gonna talk about the Canadian metal scene, but uh, coming up here in a second. But Canada was doing some pretty extreme stuff as well. It wasn't just the American or the German or even the Brazilian stuff. Uh, slaughter, or slaughter, something? yeah, it was Strapado which is a, a pretty cool record that Mark and I have just so recently discovered. Uh, we're uh, preparing it for our Canadian metal show that's seems to be coming down the pike. But a band that uh, was that we are going to play from Canada was Infernal Majesty from the Nun Shall Defy record. Uh, it's a song called SOS, which is like Servants of Satan or something. It's something with Satan uh, yeah. is what it stands for. Um, incredibly heavy, I mean, almost black metal type leanings
2: in some of the stuff that's going on here. I mean, it reminds me of stuff that like Merciless would later go on to mm-hmm. do, or even like Tormentor and stuff like that. Those, you know, the, the pre death metal kind of and this stuff. Is a, but this is like, there's so many, like the riffing, there's like, okay, here's templates for Swedish death metal riffing vocally you know uh, just everything it seemed to like be I don't know how way ahead of its time yeah and I don't know how how much this penetrated anything being you know I mean there's a few bands that have
3: covered Inferno Majesty and we clearly were talking when Mark and I were listening to it the other day you know we clearly could hear like Dark Throne influence you know for sure oh yeah and this is the kind of stuff that Fenrez would get a hold of and you said that you thought that for some reason a lot of the European metal bands would have, or European teenagers would have been able to get a hold of some of the Canadian stuff easier
2: than America? I would think just because it's, it's usually in the same systems. Because of the same distribution systems yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Because even like Canadian imports, when I was a kid, that was, you know, a lot of those bands just they didn't have U.S. distribution. So it's kind of a rarity. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. So maybe bands like Slaughter and Inferno Majesty had more of an impact over in Europe than, than in America, and that's why. Yeah, I would imagine probably a lot of them were on UK based labels. Mm hmm. Or, you know, just, you know, since it's all it's all one big kingdom. Sure. And Inferno Majesty, for, for some people who are into the extreme metal scene, people will know another
3: uh, song from None Shall Defy, which is Night of the Living Dead uh, that Dawn covered. Um, Fantastic song. Yeah, and we played that, actually, on our Halloween episode, I'm pretty sure. But uh, another band that's uh, kicking it out in 86 was Repulsion. Um, they record Horrified, and a lot of the songs were recorded then, even though it doesn't really get released until, like, 88, 89, you know, mm-hmm. via relapse and stuff. But a lot of this stuff was, you know, it was hitting the tape trading scene. It was floating around and clearly having a big influence, you know, on Napalm Death and and, uh, Entombed and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of uh, the the Swedish bands in terms of uh, the birth of the the Blast Beat, really. Yeah. You know, along with Charlie Benante uh, and S.O.D., you know, there's a debate over who, who kind of crafted it, but who cares it's always been there it's just somebody had to pluck it out of the ether exactly and uh, you know Flint, Michigan uh, hometown heroes for Mark and I we actually got to see Repulsion a a few weeks ago uh, at Maryland Metal Fest and they were pretty hit Scott Carlson seems like a pretty pretty fun guy to hang out with I'd imagine so we've got Repulsion Horrified Stench of Burning Death kind of uh, to help open things up on our closing set here. Inferno Majesty's None Shall Defy. And then of course we're ending with the mighty Slayer Rain and Blood with Reigning Blood. And uh Everybody knows the song. There's, uh, yeah, not a whole lot I can say to, to really amp up the song anymore other than to say it might quite possibly be the greatest riff in, in heavy metal history. Uh, dun, 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 it's dun, 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 just absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mowed a lot of lawns to this song, <laughs> let's just put it that way. And it's a good way to kind of close things out, and it's kind of arguably, uh, from a lot of purist perspectives, the sort of most influential metal record of all time,
2: or one of them along with probably early Black Sabbath, you know. I think one is, of the most, uh, I, I guess, broadly... Appreciated as well out of any genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like punk kids get pump. into this record, you know, and I mean, right? it just feel like you find it in like you know Mojo magazine will talk about how it's an influential record. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do with you know you know the Rick Rubin kind of factor too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, out of and the any energy, like the, the the passion, you know, yeah, out a, of any metal record, record you know. I think uh, yes, this for some reason this really like got everybody's attention because mm-hmm. it was like holy shit, this like this is what can really happen. Yeah, when it's this, produced well too,
3: and, and and I think it's a record like this that that begs the question. Is this as far as thrash can go? Yeah. Because once you hear darkness descends and this and pleasure to kill, like, what else are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So, but... Anyways, that's for you to debate uh, endlessly, and if you have some comments, please send them our way at RequiemPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us some comments on iTunes uh, or on the website, RequiemPodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook as well. So uh, enjoy the fourth most crucial year in metal history, according to uh, To the the humbly uh, Jason and Mark here. Uh, 1986 concludes with Repulsion, Infernal Majesty, and Slayer's Raining
2: Blood. So uh, for Requiem Podcast, I'm Jason. And for 1986, I'm Mark. Statue Burning Death. Enjoy.